Life Audio. Welcome to Truth Tribe with Doug Rodice, where we seek the truth about the things that matter most through reason and evidence. Today I'd like to talk about living a thoughtful life as a Christian. Spiritual formation, that is becoming like Jesus Christ in thought and deed, requires a renewed mind, see Romans 12, 2, that avoids worldliness, 1 John 2, 15-17, and pursues godliness, Matthew 5, 1-18. Our sanctification through the Holy Spirit requires an ongoing dependency on God, wherein we grow in the knowledge of God, grow in knowing how His kingdom operates, grow in knowing ourselves, and grow in knowing our place in the church, and grow in our knowledge of the broader culture. To this end, there are some principles and recommendations in how to take every thought captive to obey Christ. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 Well, good day to you. It's Joel with The King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. One, and I'll spend the most time on this. Remain faithful in the reading and study of the Holy Scriptures, which are God's cognitive revelation of Himself and the ways of salvation and godly living. See especially 2 Timothy three fourteen through 17 To that end, I think we should acquire new study aids, such as one or more study Bibles. I'd like to give you an informal guide to study Bibles. A longtime friend recently wrote me with some excitement that she had purchased her first study Bible. This surprised me, since she is a solid Christian who holds a degree from an evangelical seminary. There are many ways to grow in our knowledge of God through the Bible, but I have found that a biblically-based study Bible is one of the best. Christians should not only read, but also study the Bible. Studying requires focused attention on what the books of the Bible reveal. One learns to follow the logic and narrative of a book's presentation, determine what genre of literature is used by the writer, know the cultural background of the book, how one passage relates to other passages, and more. While there is a vast literature of books, academic and popular, written for a better understanding of Holy Scripture, the genre of a study Bible offers the ardent Christian meaty resources for greater knowledge of the living and active Word of God. See Hebrews 4.12. A study Bible contains the entire text of Scripture in one of many translations. To further understanding, it adds introductions to the books of the Bible, cross-references, outlines of books, study notes, maps, diagrams, special essays on various topics, indexes, and more. A study Bible differs from a Bible commentary in that the latter does not include the entire text of Scripture. 
It rather refers to in quotes from biblical passages for the sake of the commentary. The number of study Bibles has multiplied in recent decades. Which ones are worth studying? Consider five basic principles. First, one should use a study Bible with a solid translation. Evangelical scholars generally endorse the New International Version, the New American Standard Bible, the English Standard Bible, and, with some caveats, the King James Bible and the New King James Bible. A translation should be distinguished from a paraphrase, such as the Living Bible, I believe the New Living Bible, or the Message. These works, while helpful in some cases, are not the text from which one should study the Bible in earnest. Second study Bibles worth studying are prepared by scholars worth reading. Most study Bibles are prepared by a team of scholars who are listed near the front of the Bible. Scholars who teach at evangelical institutions, such as Denver Seminary, Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, Westminster Theological Seminary, Covenant Theological Seminary, Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, Talbot School of Theology, Dallas Theological Seminary, and others, are to be preferred. However, there are some biblical scholars who are solid, who teach in more liberal institutions. Other study Bibles are prepared by single authors, such as the MacArthur Study Bible, prepared by John MacArthur, or the Ryrie Study Bible, prepared by Charles Ryrie. When one man takes on one book, as large, diverse, and consequential as the Holy Bible, he faces a daunting task. Nevertheless, it can be done well by scholars, including the two just mentioned. On the other hand, the Schofield Reference Bible, that is, the Bible of C.I. Schofield, first published in 1909, while historically significant as the first American study Bible, was prepared by a man who never attended seminary. Much of the scholarship is out of date as well. Third, the typesetting of a study Bible should be readable. As I get older, I am frustrated by how small the commentary text is in some study Bibles, or for that matter, how small the text of the biblical words are themselves. If you strain to read some of the study material, then you are not likely to study it. Fourth, while all study Bibles share common features, such as commentary, outlines, and introductions, they differ in the tools they offer and the perspective or emphases they proffer. The emphasis may be obvious, as with the Archaeology Study Bible or the Apologetic Study Bible. The titles of some study Bibles give away their perspective, such as the Reformation Study Bible or the Spirit-Filled Study Bible, which is charismatic. Fifth, some study Bibles are sparse on academic material, but are more devotional in focus. The Bible itself is both intellectually gripping and devotionally rich, and a good study Bible should recognize this. However, do not expect much theological reflection or exegetical rigor in something like the Inspirational Study Bible by Pastor Max Lucado, whatever merits it may have, since it offers little to actually study in academic sense. For those who are zealous for examining the Bible in detail, 
learning its truths, making them known to the world, and applying them to life. Consider several study Bibles. General multi-scholar works. 1. The NIV Study Bible. I've used this work more than any other. It was first published in 1985, and I've consulted it ever since in the subsequent editions. The study tools are robust, and the scholars are well-qualified. It has been recently updated. The Zondervan NIV Study Bible. This features the most recent evangelical scholarship by leading scholars. It goes into more depth in the NIV Study Bible. The ESV Study Bible. This is an able work by conservative biblical scholars using the English Standard Version. Single-author works. The Rarby Study Bible prepared by longtime professor at Dallas Theological Seminary. It is dispensational in focus, but much more involved and academic than the much earlier dispensational work, the Schofield Reference Bible. Two, the MacArthur Study Bible. Pastor John MacArthur has been teaching, preaching, and writing for over 50 years. He is known for his strong and sometimes controversial stands on doctrine and for careful biblical preaching. This also has a dispensational emphasis. I'm not a dispensationalist, but that doesn't mean that you could not benefit from much of these two study Bibles, the Ryrie Study Bible and the MacArthur Study Bible. There are special emphases Bibles, I'll mention four. The Reformation Study Bible, Reformed Theology informs this work, which features excellent commentary and short essays on theological topics. Since I am Reformed in my emphasis, I appreciate this quite quite a bit. Two, the Apologetic Study Bible. The overarching theme is the rational defense of the Christian faith. Its notes and essays will equip the reader to defend the biblical worldview. Third, the Spirit-Filled Bible, written from a charismatic perspective. I find its short inserts on key biblical words to be particularly helpful, and since I am also Charismatic, I find this to be a fruitful tool. Four, Walter Martin's Cult Reference Bible. This may be out of print by now. This was edited by the father of the evangelical countercult movement, and it brings together writers knowledgeable about cultic doctrine in relation to historical Christian orthodoxy. However noble and the goal and able the writers, this volume lacks adequate commentary and study helps. But if you can pick one up, I would recommended. Study Bibles abound, and I have not mentioned all of them. In fact, it's hard to keep up. Nevertheless, the principles and comments in this section should help chart the way to learn more about Scripture through this method of study. Of course, there are many other tools, such as commentaries and other helps. The excellent commentaries on the Bible by John Calvin and Matthew Henry are available online for no charge. And whenever I preach a new sermon, I always consult those, as well as more modern commentaries. So, this first long section was about the study of the Bible to be a thoughtful Christian. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives— Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. 
the Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact. Second point, discern your unique calling as a Christian if you have it. No one can do everything, so we must concentrate our energies where we are gifted and in accordance with God's will and his leading in our life. On this, I highly recommend two books, one by Os Guinness called The Call and another by John Piper called Don't Waste Your Life. Three, be involved in a Bible-believing local church and seek to serve through what you have learned. Biblically, we are responsible to use what we know wisely for the glory of God. We should not hide our gifts under a table, but employ them to build up the church and witness to the world. Matthew 5, Ephesians 4.15 Specifically, consider developing adult education classes on the Christian worldview, biblical interpretation, theology, apologetics, and social issues. 2. Make sure your church has some way of preparing high school students for college. Many churched teenagers either put aside their Christian convictions during college or lose them during this time. For how high school students in the church tend to think, see Christian Smith's book, Soul Searching. I also have an essay online called Faithful Christianity in College, which was co-authored with Sarah Geis. Third, be involved as a mentor to those who can benefit from your gifts and what you have learned through your experience with Scripture and simply leading the Christian life. And also try to find a suitable mentor for yourself. See Proverbs 27, 17, 2 Timothy 2, 2. Fourth point in developing a thoughtful Christian life, develop your skills at speaking and teaching and conversation. American linguistic culture is often ugly, sloppy, and lazy. Instead of blending in with the inarticulate herd, broaden your vocabulary, work on articulation, and listen to the people with which, with whom you are speaking. On writing, see the classic Elements of Style by Stroke and White. On public speaking, see Stand Like Lincoln, Speak Like Churchill by James Humes, or consider joining a Toastmasters club to refine your speaking skills. I recommended this to one of my students several years ago who was going into the teaching ministry, and it helped him quite a bit. Five, read thoughtful Christian books, both classic and contemporary. While we often emphasize popular books, we should not forget time-tested works written by the likes of Augustine, Calvin, Pascal, and Jonathan Edwards. 20th century writers such as G.K. Chesterton, C.S. Lewis, John Stott, G.I. Packer, Francis Schaeffer, James Sire, and Os Guinness make for hearty and rewarding reading as well. And reading today requires much discipline since we are so easily distracted by our devices. Six, Certain periodicals are edifying as well. For keeping the pulse of contemporary evangelicalism, see Christianity Today, although I find myself at odds with its editorial views quite a bit now. Political and cultural issues are carefully addressed in First Things, which now has a rather strong Catholic focus, at least for the last 15 years, but I still find it 
quite insightful and helpful. And their articles are not restricted to Catholic writers or even strictly Catholic perspectives. To stay abreast of cults, religious movements, apologetics, and ethics, read the Christian Research Journal. And I have been contributing to the Christian Research Journal since way back in 1986. I've written dozens, maybe even a hundred articles and reviews for them. Seven, be aware of secular culture and non-Christian religious expressions through your reading of periodicals and books. I read somewhat in the New York Times. I have a digital subscription. I am subscribing to the New Yorker, and I do sometimes also read commentary for an excellent conservative Jewish view. And I check periodically Harper's, The Atlantic, Rolling Stone, Time Magazine, and Wired. I find browsing at bookstores especially helpful if you can find a brick-and-mortar bookstore left. I am grateful that we still have several tattered cover bookstores in the Denver area. 8. Carefully and prayerfully consider your use of all electronic communications media. These often sap our knowledge and divert us from godly habits of the heart. Consider engaging in a protracted media abstention in which you eliminate a commonly used electronic medium for a week to ten days. It may profoundly change your view of technology. On this, see my book that no one read, called The Soul in Cyberspace, which came out in 1997, and I do take heart in realizing I was correct in everything I predicted. And then also, you'll find an interview I did a few years ago with Tim Challies online, that's spelled C-H-A-L-L-I-E-S. There's an, a secular book I read a few years ago, which I found helpful, called Hamlet's Blackberry. For a broader historical and cultural critique, read Neil Postman's magisterial work, Technopoly, The Surrender of Culture to Technology. The best book written about television is also by Neil Postman called Amusing Ourselves to Death. And if you do a Google search with my name and technology and cyberspace added to the search words, you'll find a number of interviews and essays that I've done over the years. Nine ways to develop a thoughtful Christian life. Listen to thoughtful radio programs and podcasts. Many gifted Christian teachers and preachers can be heard in this way. Redeem the time by listening to them in your car or while exercising or when you cannot do anything else, such as when you are ill. Of the talk radio hosts, I find Dennis Prager, a conservative Jew, to be the most civil and one of the more intelligent. He is refreshing in that he addresses more than just politics. Another excellent source of cultural criticism from a distinctively Christian perspective is Mars Hill Audio, which has been in operation now for over 30 years. This is hosted by Ken Myers, the author of the excellent book, All God's Children in Blue Suede Shoes, Christians in Popular Culture. Let me say a few words also about The Daily Wire. The Daily Wire offers some of its features for free, others you need to pay for, but I think it's worth paying for because they will give you commentary on the news that you won't hear in the mainstream media or what is sometimes called the legacy media 
Uh, they have a variety of podcasts. I found Ben Shapiro, a conservative Jew, to be extremely insightful about matters relating to Israel and culture in general. Uh, ben is probably the best political analyst of all of them at the Daily Wire. He speaks very quickly. He is very intense, but I've been listening to him quite a bit since the war against Israel broke out, and I find him to be a fearless truth-teller with a great grasp of the facts. I also listen quite a bit to Matt Walsh. I have mixed feelings about Matt. He has done some very good work on gender ideology. He's a truth-teller. He can sometimes be mean-spirited and put people down without real reason, but he is not afraid to call degeneracy degeneracy and to call perversity perversity. And he thinks pretty well. Logically, he sees the logical conclusions of ideologies that many people don't see. And there are also commentators such as Andrew Clavin, who I find annoying most of the time. Uh, he's very clever. He's a writer. He's a bit cocky. He has some good insights. I do not listen to him very much, though, because of his style. And you also have Candace Owens. Now, one thing I find with the Daily Wire is that they have a really reliable daily news program, just called the Daily Wire, and they usually have an afternoon update. And this is usually seven days a week. And this is a summary of the news with some commentary in about 15 minutes for the main show, and then they have about a four or five minute update most afternoons. I find that to be fair and helpful, and they will cover issues that other media do not. Now, with the podcasts, the commentary podcasts, such as Ben Shapiro, Matt Walsh, Candace Owens, Andrew Clavin, they have their strengths and weaknesses, and I've tried to emphasize some of that. But I think in general, The Daily Wire is doing a lot of good for our culture. They're also producing children's content to counteract the wokeness of Disney and other providers of children's programming. And they have a vision not to just critique what's wrong with society, what's wrong with critical race theory, wokeness, leftism, and so on. But they want to offer some constructive alternatives in culture. And for that, I certainly salute them. So my last point, point 10, is to take periodic times of silence for either short or long periods. Our culture is far too noisy and far too overstimulated. We need quiet to compose our bodies and souls before God in meditation, prayer, and rest. As Ecclesiastes says, there's a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent, and a time to speak. That's Ecclesiastes 3.7. So this has been Doug Grothuis with Truth Tribe. We've looked at some features that can contribute to having a thoughtful Christian life. I hope you have found this to be helpful. If you'd like to know more about me or how I might serve you, please go to my webpage at douglasgrotheis.com and please let other people know about this podcast. Truth Tribe is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you liked what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review this podcast in your favorite podcast app. 
so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. No matter what you're going through, you are not alone. Sis, if you've experienced pain in your father-daughter relationship, I want you to know that you are loved and seen. I'm Kia Stevens, host of the Hope for Women with Father Wounds podcast, and I created my show to help you exchange your father wounds for the love of God the Father. Join me for encouragement, wisdom, and scripture. Just search Hope for Women with Father Wounds on lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcasts.